Hello, and welcome to another episode of BZ Listening. I'm your host, BZ Douglas. Uh, my guest today is actor and musician Ben Paul Williams. Uh, I first met Ben uh, about 10 years ago at a little open mic in Astoria, Queens. Much love for uh, the Waltz Astoria. Pedro and Song, if you're listening, we love you. Uh, we chat a bit about his stage career and the recent pull he's been feeling about getting back to performing original music more. And we play a little catch up since the, the last time we spoke. Now, I, I also I have to give Ben some special credit that I, I didn't in the uh, interview for his contributions at the brainstorming meeting for what would become my long running variety show, the BZ Douglas Carnival should be returning uh, in 2020. Uh, initially, it was just a house show that I had put together in this Bushwick warehouse I was living in at the time that we lovingly called the compound. Um, the first show, Ben, uh, the first show that I, I, I had there, it featured Ben and several other musicians and comics. And I just tossed up a few colored vinyl tablecloths and I just said, welcome uh, to the compound carnival. And we had a, we had all a great night. Um, but then following that show, I invited Ben and a bunch of other folks from our open mic circle together to think of ways to play with that circus motif more and many of the ideas that, that came up in that session are now uh, what make up the carnival most notably the feet of strength feats of strength uh which i i found my old recording of uh, uh this the session and and credit goes to ben williams for that Did someone say bobbing for apples or that go no bobbing for that's apples. good for outdoor activity that's great yeah. yeah that's really that was hard for me. strength tests you know, like, <gasps> yeah. test of strength yeah. and manhood. Literally, like, like uh, tournament thumb wrestling. Tournament thumb wrestling. That's right. That is great. So, yeah. suffice to say, uh, Ben has been one of my favorite people for quite a while. If you are in the Milwaukee area or have friends thereabouts, be sure to catch Ben uh, this Sunday at uh, November 24th at Lin Lineman's River West Inn. Uh, after that, you can keep an eye on benpaulwilliams.com for more info about shows he'll be playing around New York and uh, I hope to draw him out here to Cleveland at some point uh, thank you so much for listening and let's get right into the show You're an interesting uh, divergence from a lot of the guests I have there as far as musical guests because that's been their thing for you know mm -hmm. however long um and th and you're kind of coming back to that right but um what is mm -hmm. your where where is your like you know kind of uh intersection with like performance in the arts happen first was it your because you're a professional actor and musical actor but um mm -hmm. was it was music there before performing and acting or yeah, it was actually. Um, I I guess my first real uh, experience with performing arts was was choir. It was chorus. That was it. It was in middle school, and I didn't pick up a guitar until I was a well, I was a 
about to become a, a freshman in high school, so I was like 15, 16 when I picked up my dad's guitar and started teaching myself how to play. But before that, I hadn't, I hadn't acted or anything. So actually, it was music first. And so your it dad was, had was, a guitar, but yeah. he, it was just sort of collecting dust, or he he just played sporadically, or he never. I never saw him play until I found out he had it. And so yeah, I dusted it off, and I was like, "Is is it all right if I play your guitar? Is an acoustic? I forget what it's called. Um, troubadour, or you know, not a very good guitar. Um, but I just couldn't put it down. He taught me a, a riff." Um, cause he had been in a band when he was about my age, when I picked up his guitar, like he was about 15 or 16 and he had a garage band that played like Beach Boys songs and stuff like this, sort of like surfer music, you know, like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and that is exactly the riff he taught me. It was the first thing I learned, was which is really just kind of like, you know, it's a, a take on the, the, a blues riff basically. You know, um, you go to the one, to the four, to the five, to the four, you know, whatever. And, uh, yeah, and then I just couldn't put it down, and I couldn't stop. I just loved the sound of it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even, I hadn't really gotten to the musicality. Uh, well, I didn't, it didn't happen until later, but I just couldn't stop experimenting because I loved the sound. And the feeling of it against you, you know, that vibration is pretty. Yeah. Um, well, that's what cool. I, I I remember getting a guitar when I was like twelve, just out of a like I want one, and I you know asked for it long enough, and eventually I got it. But then I didn't. Mm-hmm. I just sort of had one like forever. But yeah. the reason I always had one was because I had these handfuls of chords I learned, and I just loved sitting there, and I would just play A minor and E minor for like you know forty minutes, and and you know right. learn like you know and just make make up little things and i'm like oh it sounds pretty i like listening to this not yeah like, it was just i needed to do it. i liked doing it and it's um it's interesting like to look back on that and that you know for there was all that time spent where i'm just like noodling on it because i didn't start when i met you is when i started playing and i was like 30 but right. um it also it's like now it, it just, it's weird how your mindset changes. Like now when I'm, uh, you know, if I'm trying to sit down with the guitar, I'm like, well, I should work on something I've written and re- make it better or divide something new. And it's kind of, there's an ambition attached to it. And that wasn't there for like, right. the first 20 years. Right. You know, well, it's interesting. Yeah. I, I got to, I, I don't know if at the time I could really define my um, impressions of my other friends who were actually taking lessons but I think it was something, uh, something to do with that. Something about the them wanting to get something "quote unquote" perfect. Now, whether it was to their standard or their teacher's standard or whatever, but for some reason, I begged off that whole like getting in that scenario at all. And that's why I never took lessons on the guitar. I did have voice lessons and some other, you know, like really about you know reading reading music, um, mostly vocal. But when it came to getting trained on the guitar, I always resisted it because I always felt like I didn't want that feeling that you just described to enter into it too quickly. I don't know. I just wanted the freedom. And so I wanted to protect that. Even then, like I said, I don't know. I don't know if I could have defined, I could have defined it. In well, I, I, I know I but, also immediately uh, like the, few, the people I would hang around with who d- could play guitar, I would look at what they do and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I can't play guitar. 
I can't do that. Not realizing oh, yeah, that they weren't that. born with that ability. That. Like for whatever reason, that's right. <laughs> right, right, right. I still say that. I still say, "Well, no, I'm not a guitar." Or, or I have for a long time. But I started to realize, like, yes, I am. I have my relationship with my guitar is totally my own, as it probably is with, I know, I think probably all you know instrumentalists and guitarists. But yeah, for the longest time, I just I would say no, I don't really play. I don't play. It's like no, that's it's not true, man. I um I play in my particular way, and I think because I've and I've gotten better technically over time. Um, but it started with the power chords, you know, the good oh, yeah. old power chords, you know. Well, just I'm, like I know play as, it was my metal phase when. I wanted a guitar. Mm, yeah. I was into Metallica, Megadeth, oh. and going back through like discovering that whole genre. But yeah, my gateway was like Metallica, sure. and I remember just listening to those on cassette over and over. Show them my age. <laughs> Although now yep. that now yeah, I could be yeah. a twenty year old if I say I'm. Li- <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's coming you're back. back. And, you're back and yeah, you're on trend now. You're on trend again. So did you? Yeah, no, I, so you you didn't me, you didn't move into like oh you got a guitar and you like wanted to be in a band you just had it but you did you so you gravitated then towards performance and acting in high school. Um. Well. Yeah. Well, I kept playing and I did. Ha- I was in a couple of bands. Oh. Okay. Um. We had. Yeah, I was, and that was that was still my first performing experience for a while, and then I. Th- think it was when I was a sophomore then I started acting in the plays at, at in high school I recognized that I wanted to try that like fairly early on but I didn't really go for it until I got to high school and then it was um I think well I was in a couple of plays and then I was in Pippin <laughs> as Pippin and then I just kind of I kept going and going with that. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, and I, there's, so there's been a lot of crossover between, especially in the last few years, um, between my guitar playing and my acting roles. It's been, you know, I'm not really a musical theater person per se. Um, but I, because I've been playing and, writing music for so long there and there are new musicals that have come out in the last say you know 10 years especially five ten years that are what i would call band musicals like where the skill set you know requires that you are able to play and guitar and sing well i mean i'm and, i uh, think of something like uh once yeah mm-hmm where exactly. That, yeah, and I was, that's I was like in, it's a yeah. musical, but it's it's a naturalistic musical. It's not a surreal the surreal world of musicals because it's a the part of the story is that these people are musicians and they're playing music. Yeah, yeah, and you know, um, music, uh, musical theater, like any form, kind of runs the gamut between like what you know between the, the sort of natural storytelling where the songs kind of are yeah because once the songs are kind of stuck in there as um they're not just breaking out into song they're either sharing a song with each other they're in a recording studio they're you know in their bedroom alone whatever it is you know what i mean and then there's something like pump boys and dinettes which is actually you know what i would call another band musical that's an older one from like the 80s but they're just singing like that's an out of nowhere scenario 
where they, like, they technically work at a gas station and a diner, and then they just sing. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And it's for the audience, and people really love love it. The you know audiences who love it love it, and um, which I've never understood, but <laughs> but it's. You know, I mean, that's part of the deal, right? You know, if if you keep your audiences happy, then why not? But for me, it's been like, um, as far as my music, my original stuff, I've been like, well, I, I don't, I think that's what I want to do when I when I think of music now, like, and me doing it, that's what I want. <laughs> Shine through the shampoo. 
champagne wine So we decided it'd be better if together we could pass the time The heights of Alexander fell The scriptures faded and the monastery bells are weaker The joke is funny when it lands but Now we laugh together just because we never feel like we are friends just because we never feel like we are friends We will see it soon We look back now and we can hardly move But it's alright, it's alright, it's alright, 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 alright I'm looking more at my own, doing my own music. Um, and it's been cool, cool to have the experiences like doing once and doing, you know, um, Million Dollar Quartet and Pump Boys done it. So it's been great. But I feel like music is, in general, just more personal to me because I've been writing so long. So I'm kind of like pivoting a little bit and just kind of focusing on getting my own music in, in front of as many people as possible. Uh, do you work in like nonprofit spaces or helping with like grant proposals or something like that? What was it? Yeah, yeah, fundraising for Fundra nonprofits. Yeah, yeah, fundraising for nonprofits. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it's cool to, to know how people kind of put it all together. Um, and for me, um, I I don't know, I, I guess you know the nonprofit – angle for me from in the beginning because I've been doing that for well, almost as long as I've been acting not as long but um, almost as long as I've been acting professionally and writing my music and uh, it just became something that that made started to make a lot of sense especially in parallel with my experience in the arts and performing arts because I feel like the performing arts and art in general has a sort of built-in public mission to it, a mission-driven thing, like to give people an opportunity to enhance their experience of life or how they, you know, they think about their own lives, how they, you know, kind of put it all together and, and how they can identify with other art, you know, artist experiences, you know. Um, and nonprofits for me sort of in meat space <laughs> not not in that sort of um uh i don't that doesn't make sense but i just mean 
I don't know. I, when you're piecing it all together, I, I just feel like there's a left brain and a right brain part of all of that. And um, at least with the nonprofit part being more left brain for me. Cause it's, Was you know, that a lot, of a lot of writing letters or organizing events and logistics? Well, now now it's gone gone in the last like five, six years. It's gone like sort of ultra left brain for me. It's more like the, it's data related to fundraising. So... Um, kind of quantifying um, prospective donors um, for development teams, for fundraising teams, to give them the best opportunity to um, cultivate relationships with people who might be interested in the mission. And originally what I was trying to get at was the nonprofit thing can be, is mission-driven too. So you've got this arts thing that's, I, I think, inherently mission-driven. and the better nonprofits have a really have really strong missions too. They all have missions because it's part of how they're set up as organizations and institutions and whatever. But you know, the clearer that they can be in the the, the about their mission and if they can adhere to it, there's a clear mission there too. And so, basically, that's just to say, being in the nonprofit world and being in the arts has been ways for me to stay away from profit-driven groups of people. <laughs> And oh yeah. Uh, so you've been juggling. You're you've been um, in between the acting and nonprofit world. Um, how I I I wanted the opportunity to ask you about that too because I feel like that's a that's a road not taken for me because mm-hmm. um and I did not go in well I you know instead of like going to like oh, I'm going to do nonprofit you know I went into coding and then was just like oh this is a job. But I, for me, it was easy to walk away from acting for a couple of reasons. At the time, mm-hmm. I was just, you know, I was in school, I was a sophomore, and I, you know, similar to you, like I had really good roles in high school. I got to be like Seymour and Little Shop and other things. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you get to college and, you know, I expected, you know, okay, yeah, you, you, you're now you're with everybody who was the lead in their high school. If you're in a college right. program. So right. Uh, right. And I, right. I, I only went for theater, too, because I. I got a scholarship for like that covered a little bit of it at my local university. So I was like, I wouldn't have gone to college either way, but I was Mm -hmm. immediately frustrated with like, well, if you're a freshman, you're not going to get any good roles until you're a senior. You just eat shit Mm -hmm. and catch up. And so I was, then I, (laughs) for whatever reason was less interested in that all the other aspects that you have to learn about with stagecraft, which now I am, I feel like college was just bad timing for me, but I got the yeah. I got a part time job in coding and and then I was just doing bad and, and the other thing is I would do fine in the theater classes but I did not care about any of the other classes and and turning in the work and I I I would resent the things you would get graded on like if I wrote a paper on some book and then all I'm getting corrected on is like grammar and stuff and there's no attention paid to like well I thought I had a lot of ideas in here <laughs> like right. I can learn the grammar right. but. Anyway, like, so it was easy for me to just walk away from school. I'm like, acting, I don't even know if I want to, like, what being a professional actor is, like, I'm going to end up presenting it or whatever, and I'll still do it and perform, and, you know, and that's what led me to a lot of other things from, like, improv to then music is just trying to satiate my need, my want to be a performer. Um, Mm -hmm. But acting, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've still tried to, I've done it here and there, but mostly now it's been, like, something came along a lot of times there's been opportunities come along with friends and I'm like, Oh, I can be in your thing and I don't have to audition. And 
the few times I, right. I have waded back into like what it is to audition. I was like, oh, this is why I didn't like this at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I for me the um, the business of it is it can wear you down. You know, I think the um, the the culture of auditioning and um, sort of always looking for your next job, but it's the reality, you know, it's about like what you end up being able to sort of tolerate in order to get to the, um, the opportunity that's going to get you either the, you know, the job or the, you know, knock on wood, the, the dream role or whatever, whatever the hell it is, you know, but, um, for me, I, I, I as far as coming out of school, I mean, I, um, Went to University of Minnesota for a year. Um, it was performed a lot. Um, uh, incredible mentors there um, in, in a couple of teachers. Um, but it was also, you know, that was the first time I'd really been away from home. And it, was, it wasn't that far away from home. I mean, for me, it was, you know, just outside of Milwaukee where I was coming from and going to Minneapolis. But it was enough of a shakeup. And, it, you know, it's a pretty big city. I was just freaked out across the board, I think, kind of overwhelmed with being uh, away from home that long for the first time. So it, that was part of it, too. It was also sort of social and kind of uh, um, a psychological sort of jolt for me. And so I took a year off, and I ended up um, forming a, um, a theater company uh, in Milwaukee. And... Um, in fact, one of the people that I did it with, um, Max Williamson, is who I'm playing the, my next gig uh, with. He's going to be on, he's on the ticket as well um, this next Sunday, not tomorrow, but um, the 24th in Milwaukee. The timing just worked out, and I was going to um, fly out there and, and play that gig with him. But anyway, so it, but then I ended up going back to school at Cornell. Uh, university, upstate New York and Ithaca. And one of the reasons I decided to go back to school was that the theater program at the time had, uh, and it's, it no longer um, is intact, this, this, this setup, but at the time they were hiring what they called RPTAs, which were resident professional um, teaching uh, assistants, which really just meant they were hiring professional actors like like uh, usually like like four or five or three to five of them mm -hmm. per year to be in all the shows, which meant that they were equity shows, which means that if you got in them, you were getting um, points or weeks towards joining the union. So they're professional shows. Oh, nice. So yeah, so all of a sudden, you know, you're and 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 so I'm in undergrad. I'm studying philosophy, and then. Every show that I was able to get in, I was working towards being in the union. It was this nice sort of crossover and doing it with actors that were working actors. So it was this incredible, like, and they always, always said it, it wasn't about being vocational. It was about getting, you know, the broad bachelor arts degree. But that's not the reason why I decided to go. I decided to go because it was very specifically on the job and my on the job training. Yeah, and I'd never seen anything like that, so that's why I decided to to pursue it and then uh, ultimately go there. And uh, where did that lead from from there? Once you graduated from Cornell, 
Well, then I decided my father actually passed away my going into my last year at Cornell, which sort of threw my world all over the place. Um, but I did graduate and then decided to go back, kind of regroup and go back home. And I continued with that theater group that I had started during that year off and kind of planted myself in Milwaukee for um, two, three years. But I always knew I was coming back to New York City because I knew that would be the place, the better place to pursue acting especially. And, um, <clears throat> and then about 10 years ago, I moved back here and just kind of never looked back. And I think the sort of, you know, the like we were talking about that um, – that, that I was lucky in that that sort of waiting, what I guess I would call, I would I would imagine is kind of a typical experience. Like you you get into college and you have to wait until you're a senior to get the bigger roles. It's like that never really happened because of the way that they had set up their program. So I was able, I was able to take take that and kind of go understand that that's what I wanted to. You know what I mean? I got a taste of what more of a taste of what it was going to be like. Talk to us today, you. 
playing the tune If we could see each other we'd be alright And if we could see each other I mean, I've been acting now most, you know, almost exclusively in a theater now for quite a while. And certain things have come up now, you know, opportunities that I've, I think even five years ago, I'd have been like, yeah, great. And now I'm saying no. And I'm like, no, not quite. And I think that as I've been, as I've gotten more experience, um, I know the kind of things that I'm, that I'm, I have a better idea of what I'm interested in now and what I'm not interested in. And, you know, at 20s and 30s, you're like, I, I had the sensation, like, I would play anything. Just give it to me, just give it to me. You know, you're hungry, and I'm still hungry, but I also know that um, I have, this, you know, more specific goals about what I want to try to express and, like, what is challenging for me as as an actor, not only as as like kind of living more fully in my type, which I think I've resisted for a long time. That meaning like, I want to play the, the nutty character. I want to play the character that doesn't look anything like me or sound anything like me. And I think that I'm getting to a place now and it's like, well, why, why, why resist the characters that actually are closer to me? Like, what is that about? And that's partially another reason for me to kind of go back to my music and and try to share more of that because that's closer to me than anything that I have performed. There are some roles that I can I could tell you about like in the last few years that I'm like, yes, that's I'm proud of that. Yeah. It was it was close to me, but it was was also a little zhuzh in either this direction or that direction. Um meaning like, yeah, there's some there's some you know, sort of um funky funky undertone to this character at this point and that point but the challenge for me has been to play characters that are actually closer to me not farther away and that's something that i'm trying to learn more about like what is that is is, is running away from me like what's going on like why mm -hmm. and that there's no need to do that like i would i would sort of uh, Going, coming back to my music in this new way with this new ambition means getting closer to what I'm trying to express and closer to who I am. And maybe it's about authenticity. I don't know. Trying to be a little more honest with what... Not trying to be extraordinary all the time is something that I, I think I was obsessed with when I was younger. I'm right there with you because I remember that was what drew me to some of the stronger actors, you know, like out there was just like, a, you know, they, they conveyed a certain amount of authenticity or I value that in characters who would exhibit that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I think ultimately what I liked about um, what I, you know, what I found enthralling about theater is just this opportunity to emote 
and, 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 and almost like there was like the catharsis of it. And that's why I feel like once I found, started doing music and why I still to the, you know, I don't know if I really have ambition attached to my music. Like, Oh, I'd love to, I would like to be able to play, um, in, in, and build up my songs and make them more interesting and, and, and do that more often and really go deeper mm-hmm. into it. But on a certain level, yeah. I'm very just satiated with like, it feels good to just sing and, and, and play a song <laughs> yeah. and, and, and yeah. that they're my songs and, or if they're my cover, the covers that I do, they're things mm-hmm. that I, I like, like as far as I, I like to, I like singing them. They're for me, yeah. and it's it it's it's worked out that other people like hearing them too. You know what? I'm I'm so glad you say that because I I feel like like the, you know there's of course there's the fun to it, and I think that I I end up putting so much um like I I end up raising the stakes so much. It's like wait a minute, do I enjoy this or not? <laughs> you know, like. Because if I don't at all, I mean, then there's there's a problem. I mean, that's another thing that I've learned, like being a performer for a long time, is that it's not there's not a, the enjoyment isn't always there, and yet you still have a job to do, or you still like have an audience to, or that's your you know your real goal is to get it in front of them. But to not forget that it can be fun, and also to try to let it be as simple as that. And also, you know, one of the reasons I get so self-serious sometimes is because I I do worry about whether or not people will like it. And I think my biggest fear is is working really hard, especially with my, my music, acting too, though, if I'm being honest. But I've realized, you know, as I've you know started to rehearse these songs, get ready for the gig next week and everything, I'm like, I think my biggest fear would people just be like, meh, fine. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, okay. Because yeah. it's like, oh shit, you know, I'm like, well, wow. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm still driven to do it and get it as perfect as I as I want it to be. <laughs> it's a little. I mean, some of my songs are, uh, or a lot of them, especially the way the lyrics are structured. Um, there's there's play with words, and just their sounds. But I think it was a little, you know, earlier in my songwriting, it was a little bit more of a sort of, uh, a, a sort of Pollock approach to lyrics, like just kind of splattered it all out. Um, and I think that's changed a little bit. I think my it's gotten a little simpler, a little more direct. Is there anyone you say. can point to that you found yourself wanting to emulate? Sure, yeah. Um, well... Um, Talking Heads was an early one for me because I felt important. This is weird, but or maybe not weird, but it's interesting looking back. Primus, you know? Oh yeah, uh, I can I can see that in you actually. <laughs> I'm, that's cool. I like that. You can. That's good. The playfulness. But for me, you the know, playfulness the, certainly. Yeah, and the freedom in in being able to be as um, kind of impulsive, especially lyrically, both in Talking Heads and in Primus. Like they're not. They're, I feel like every time I listen to them, I was like, I feel like they're not restrained. Found it interesting that it's been covered a gashmillion times in the last like seems like just five years. It's interesting to me. 
but um, this must be the place. Talking Head song. Um, home, it's where I want to be, but I guess I'm already there. That, that's a, it's been covered a lot. Um, and I think that just, it's, and the lyrics are not, they're just a little disjointed. They're a little bit sort of impressionistic, like it could paint this picture, but it's not necessarily like perfectly logical. See, I was digging through archives and the only, uh, the, I have a couple of versions, uh, I came across a couple of versions of Wait Your Turn. Is that still in your, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. do you still play in that one? Oh yeah, I'm going to be playing that on uh, next Sunday. Yep. It is. And that that's a, yeah, that one to me is, the sort of talking head primus thing. And then I wrote that when I first moved to New York. Um, and I was in my very first apartment, finally, after I'd stayed with friends for, um, well, just a month, actually. It all happened pretty fast. And I got an apartment, a basement apartment in Queens. and I, But I didn't have anything because I had moved to New York, which is a few suitcases. So I borrowed this really... I don't know why I was so thin, but this is really thin, from my buddy's uh, um, sleeping bag. So I had a sleeping bag on the floor, the tile floor, and then like a couple sleeping bags, or a couple, excuse me, a couple pieces of luggage, and then my guitar. And that's it. <laughs> and, that's I, you know, the artist's life. Wait, wait, yeah. And that was where wait your turn came in. And it was sort of the spitting out of, you know, everything I was feeling at the moment. But also feeling like, okay, where's my patience? Like, I'm like, so yeah. it was kind of a searching for that. It's a pretty angsty song. I mean, I don't know if, I don't really write songs like that anymore, but I still like performing it. And there's, a, there's definitely a freedom in that that I like to, to play with live as well. On the things we saw Go out to the Phantom bra. Swing your partner round and round And hit the bricks when the shit Fan your flames as you make your way Your body's on the outside looking in Put your body armor on and wait your turn It's time to get jumped, it's time to get burned Just wait
could be here, it could be now, it could be now, but I doubt it somehow. It could be here, it could be now, it could be never, but I doubt it somehow. Just wait your turn. Just wait your turn. It's time to get burned. So just wait your Just wait your turn. Focus on the things we saw. Go out to the Phantom Bra. Swing your partner round and round. And hit the bricks when the shit goes down. Fan your flames as you make your way. Your body's on the outside looking in. Put your body armor on and wait your turn. It's time to get jumped. It's time to get burned. Wait your turn. Just wait your turn. It's time to get burned. So just wait your just wait your turn. The subway stuff like every time i see anything about the subway just from friends complaining like that's the one thing that always like kicks me back like oh i don't miss new york i don't miss that <laughs> yeah i know it's always there's always some major screw up or policy or weird policing thing happening in a subway almost always but you know I, it, that reminds me and i have to say it because um i think of charlie crockett uh, now and again, of course, and I, you know, see what he's doing, and he just, oh, he just played the, the, the Opry, the Grand Ole Opry. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he's... last, last month. Mm-hmm. That I guy's freaking awesome. But I just, I love his story, right? That he was playing, he was here in New York City. Um, he's kind of in some of the open mic groups and other groups that you, know, you and I hung out mm-hmm. in, and he tries to perform on the street and do some busking. The police give him a hard time. So he decided to decides to go in the subways and kind of. Cre- I mean, he had like a group of people that he could do it. With, he was part he? of yeah a collective called um like his immediate collective was called like the Train Robbers, I believe. And you know, I, I I've done quite a bit of busking as well, but I, I never went after it like with that kind of zeal. But I do know, I mean, the lessons that you learn are so insane, and they're so fast. It's so immediate. I mean, it's, you know, it's New York City and it's strangers. And I, what's funny to me is I think, it, you know, all the things that Charlie must have learned doing it. And I think of what I learned doing it. And, I, I, you know, I'll keep doing it, too. You always learn something. But one thing I've taken away, at least in, for my, in my experience, doing it on my own, um, I almost across the board, mostly in New York City, it's different busking other places because um, people are a little more friendly. They seem to have a little more time, just kind of in general. And there's less of them, you know what I mean? <laughs> so mm-hmm. there's that. But in, in the subway um, platform or on the train, I've never gotten a more positive response than when I am done caring. Like, yeah. <laughs> what's the point? Like, I go out and be like, all right, I'm going to sing this song. I want to work on this song. I'm going to do this, whatever. And then by the I, right at the point, you know, an hour, a couple hours, whatever it is, where you just kind of hit it and you're like, my voice is tired. I don't give a shit who wants to listen or doesn't, but I'm going to keep going for a little longer. Always a response. And sometimes when I get to that point, or a lot of times in, in my New York City busking, I'll just start making up a song based on either what I'm feeling, something I see, um, 
something that's happening in the city, whatever it is. And that has always gotten a response to. And I think that that's an interesting, it's been an interesting lesson for me. You know, like what I was saying too, you know, earlier about being um, ex- 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 obsessed with being quote unquote extraordinary. It's like, well, you kind of got to, for me anyway, it's about letting go of all of that. And just kind of when you got nothing left, like what is, what is it, what is the thing that you have at that moment? And I feel like Charlie is the kind of guy who is in that zone more than most people because there's, I don't know, there's something pure about his approach to all of it. Well, he also has, he's he's already, he's already sort of giving, giving that core thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I know, you know, also just from his story of like before he like really threw himself into music, he was wrapped up in a lot of this, this like scammy bullshit his brother was doing that he had to like turn away from and testify against his brother and was. Oh, my God. I didn't know about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was basically like, you know, some like a wall, kind of like a Wall Street Ponzi scam type thing or a stock market scam and. So Charlie was like, oh, you know, making wow. big money, rolling around in this bullshit money. And, and um, uh, I, I do remember a, a line that he says in the interview when we're talking about this is this one of these big fat cats that was part of it came up to him and said, you know, by the end of this, I'm going to have all the money, but you'll have all the experience. <laughs> and I think that either that guy was one of the guys who went to jail or got away with it and has a ton of money and skated off on it. But that's that's the truth is like, you know, he lived that crazy life and got ejected from it. And then, you know, the, without that, do you know that he, would, you know, he have taken that leap to be like, I'm just gonna go live in New York, man. I'm going to find I'm gonna crash on paper's couches. I'm going to play open mics and see how it goes. You know, <laughs> that sounds like that's good. Yeah, right. So he yeah. So he, he was he had lived some life, too. Yeah, that's important. And it just becomes. I don't know. I, I never wanted that to be the thing that had to happen, but it's just, it's just the truth. You got to live some life before you can really. Just well, it's You're always like, right. for me. Like <laughs> I didn't, you know, I I only I didn't. It wasn't as drastic, but I threw myself into open mics because I was coming. Oh, up, I was yeah. I was divorcing my wife. I was separating from my wife. Uh, that I'd been with her for like nine years. She was the reason I moved to mm-hmm. New York, and yeah. yeah. And it was when I was free that I'm like, I'm going to do some things. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think you know, it's funny when you steer yourself into um, performing, into music, into acting, into stand up, into something to share with people, you are steering into an opportunity to share with people uh, your experience, which, and, and how, or however you're dealing with your experience, you know what I mean? And it gives people an opportunity to relate in, in, a, in a higher, in a, no, not higher, but in a sort of enhanced way. It's a little more than every day. It's not civilian. It's kind of, a, we, we rate, you know, we, you know, of course, you know, humans, especially Americans, because we need the distraction, <laughs> we need the deepening. Uh, we love 
that, you know, just setting people a little higher, whether it's to knock them down or support, whatever it is. Like what you're saying about what you give to an audience, if you know, as a performer, or what I hope to give is the same thing I, I like getting from a performance, which is like they went to a certain emotional place, they really channeled it, and I got to feel that through them. Whether it was a happy mm -hmm. song mm -hmm. or a sad song or a funny perspective, you know, that's that's what it all that's is what it's all about is finding something that's worthy to share and letting other people experience that. Yeah, for real. For real. And um, you know, I we talked about this before a little bit, but the idea of the community too, you know, I knowing all you guys in the open mic community when I first moved here was definitely a um sort of a, a life preserver for me because you know, um I was new to the New York City acting business, that's for real. And that that can be that's a tough place to be in. I mean, I find and we talked what I what we talked about what I remember is the difference too between the group that we were hanging with, which was you know, musicians Comedians mostly, maybe some actors, but not as much. Um, versus the sort of acting communities that I've been a part of, usually that build up around shows, you know, usually or classes or whatever. You just meet people. But um, there's always something easier about being around musicians um, and and comedians to me. There's something just uh, maybe it goes back to like the freedom that I've always found in my music very early on, there was something more, there always seemed to be more freedom in those groups of people for stuff, for whatever reason. Can 
start brand new somehow. Wait your turn for the shadows to burn, and I promise I won't be gone. No, I'll stay here waiting with you for the dawn. So you have the show this Sunday, the twenty fourth in uh, Wisconsin, correct? Yeah, w- Milwaukee. Yeah, or, a place called yeah, Lineman's Lineman's West. Yeah, Lineman's West. Jim Lineman runs it. Wonderful guy. I've known him for years, and um, he is hosting me, Brian, Robert, Kenny, um, my old buddy Max Williamson, and then the crazy cool band Cashfire Sunset, all out of Milwaukee. And where do you want to? Because it sounds like you want to refocus your yourself on music. What are your plans for that? What are you thinking um, that is going to manifest as? Well, I'm hoping. I'm not hoping. I am planning. Let me put it that way. Like it? <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to switch, pivot, pivot, pivot on that. Um, I want to. I want to use the uh, the energy that. Um, I've gotten from from preparing for this gig coming up in Milwaukee and kind of just springboard off that and start doing more live shows in New York City. Like, to come the new year after the holidays. Do that and just um, reinvest in recording and publishing my stuff and start sharing it more. Start putting it on the market, making it available for, uh, for people to listen to, for... Um, I've done a couple of, uh, at this point, within the last year or two, um, licensed my music for some short films. Um, I'm going to do more of that, you know, for TV and for, for film, license nice. some of my stuff. I, I, I find it fascinating and um, really satisfying to be able to um, jump into that uh, niche too. So more of that. More of that. A little bit, some so some more live live shows and a lot more recording and publishing and, and sharing my stuff as much as I can. Well, and I really want to bring you out here to Cleveland sometime, have you uh, play along in a carnival here and put your music and your acting skills to the test and uh, maybe re- revive some of the great ideas that came out of that brainstorm years and years and years and years and years ago. Oh, God. I would, I would love that. I want that to happen as soon as possible. And I know I, th- I think I mentioned this before, but I'm also working. I've been developing a solo show kind of based on my music yes. um, and songwriting over the last few years. And that's, that's part that's something I'm going to continue to develop too. Um, it's, it's taken a lot of different um, shapes so far, like, you know, and I think it's going to continue to for a while. And I think it'll be just informed by me kind of doing more sets and I will be, um, don't tell anyone this, but um I will be kind of injecting some of that, some of the, the sort of the, the script and some of the narrative pieces in some of my live shows. It's not going to be about that, mm-hmm. but you know, instead of the patter, I'm going to have some of the subjects that come you're gonna, up in the show. You're going to workshop some of them. Yeah, test them out. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Ben. Well, uh, I hope to uh, maybe catch you soon. Maybe I'll show up and surprise you in Milwaukee. Who knows? You know, I don't know what I'm doing. Please, next please. <laughs> 
And if you, yeah, right. Well, if you're free, I would only ask that you, just just for me, just show up in a disguise of some kind, so I don't recognize you right away. Nice. Oh, we have so many. And then we'll wigs. do a big. We'll do a big reveal. We'll do a big reveal at some point. That's not a problem. You have no idea how many how many wigs I own. It's a lot. <laughs> no, I don't. That's a birthday tradition. Good, good deal. Deb and I, I don't know why it started, but one year I just I gave her a ridiculous wig for her birthday and I said like we're going to do this from now on every year. Every <laughs> every birthday you have to buy each other a birthday wig and you have to wear it. Okay. So then my first my first piece of advice on the show that you're working on, you, you if you haven't already, you got to work in those wigs. <laughs> Will do. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Note taken and accepted. Awesome. Beezy, you're the man. I, I I miss you, man. I miss you. Oh, I miss you too. And you know, if you if you want to try and pull it off, we are having our our next carnival the second Saturday of January. The 11th. Okay. I, I will look at it seriously. I think that would be just the best. That would be the, a good time. Well, it won't be the last one. I'll make sure and keep you in the loop for everything else. Okay, good. All right, brother. Thanks, man. Take care. Appreciate it. Take care, buddy. Something else is always going on. There's always a clock, there's always a bookcase, there's always my body. There's always something else going on. Something else is always going on. There's always a siren, there's always a footstep, there's always an argument. Always something else going on Maybe there isn't Maybe that's just a bird chirping Yeah Maybe I'm crazy Maybe time is all I feel as I slow down Maybe it's nothing Maybe my books can read themselves Maybe I'm gorgeous And my body's just telling lies to me Or maybe something else is always Maybe something else is always going on is always going on.